Hello everyone and welcome back to Bench Busted, the brand new fantasy Premier League podcast for the 2020-2021 Premier League season. This is episode number seven. My name is Jack and I'm joined as ever by Nick. Nick, how are you doing this week? Oh, I'm doing very well, Jack. I'm excited because for the first time ever, I think my team's quite good. <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, looking back on game week six, maybe not the highest scoring uh, game week in, in FPL history certainly you know the average points was 48 and I, I was below average but I feel like my team's in a good place I feel like it's always going to happen at least once or twice every year where there's going to be a weekend where players blank and although your team maybe looks like it's set up to get massive points returns it doesn't turn out that way and, and you know players that are expected to return or, or you're hoping to return big points don't um and yeah you know it's always sort of some of the lesser known picks that maybe still the limelight a bit but i mean I, I finished on 40 points what about you mate i finished on 45 points i think or 46 and honestly i'm happy with it i i, I similar to you jack my players didn't perform I wasn't particularly happy with, like, for example, the Salah captain or Lamptey not getting like an assist that he probably deserved, uh, Everton being a bit crap. But they looked good. My players looked good. Robertson looked good. Alexander-Arnold looked good and, and has looked good in the midweek. Um, my midfield, they all looked good. The strikers looked... I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that moving forwards, these guys are going to score points even if they didn't score points this week. So I'm quite optimistic about it. Yeah, I mean, like, like you say... You convinced me to go with a Liverpool double up. It hasn't perhaps worked out as we both would have hoped so far, but we know, again, we said it last week and a couple of weeks before as well, It's they're the highest price defenders in the game for a reason. Yes, Van Dijk being out injured and now Fabinho picking up an injury as well or, or a slight knock. I'm not sure how long he's going to be out for. It, it does maybe make the double up a little bit risky at the back, but they do have Alisson back in between the sticks. Um, as you say, they, they looked good um, midweek in, in the Champions League as well. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy having them in there. And, and as you say, I mean, Trent looked good. He, he had an assist to Salah, but that was chalked off uh, via VAR for, for an offside um, in, in their last game against Sheffield. So who knows on another day, you know, Salah holds his run slightly and maybe VAR doesn't get involved. Um, and Salah is picking up. Uh, you know, all three bonus points and and a goal in that game, and you know we both have him captain. So yeah, things could have been a lot a lot different. Um, you convinced me, or, or you were telling me, you know, Brighton played West Brom at home, and uh, you were saying, you know, look, Jack, if you don't play Lamptey in this game, then you know you're never going to play him, and you might as well transfer him out of your team. And I did play him. He picked up one point, as you say. Um, he he did look good going forward, but. You know, my beloved Timothy Castagna, the lo- I bought him in on a whim and, you know, I've been playing him and he's not been returning anything for me. And the one time I decided to leave him first on my bench, he picks up a clean sheet. So I guess things like that are just going to happen. Um, Castagna is out now as well. Um, in terms of the rest of the team, I think really the saving grace for, for both of our teams was, of course, Heung-Min Son and, and Raul Jimenez, both uh, scoring and, and picking up all three bonus points uh, in in their games. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of a tough one to take. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not really much else to to say on, on, on my team, at least. What, what about the rest of your team? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Son pulled it through, Jimenez pulled it through. For me, Pul- Pulisic, he looked... So good. And he looked so good midweek as well for Chelsea. And I think it is only a matter of time now until he returns or does something. And and I'm so confident about this. And I'm so in on Chelsea right now that I'm really considering, with the news that Rodriguez is going to be out for at least a week, I'm considering getting rid of Rodriguez, getting in Ziyech. I have to take a hit to do it because I have to find the funds elsewhere. And, and, and just going all in on Chelsea's attack, it might be mad. I don't really know, but I'm, I'm, it's something I'm very, very close to sort of pulling the trigger on. Yeah, I mean, it, certainly from my point of view, it would be a gutsy move, let's say. I, I, I am still on the fence about Chelsea. I know how good they looked midweek against, OK, granted, it was, you know, Krasnodar's first uh, first season in the Champions League. Um, and, and, you know, to come up against Chelsea, 
I, I don't think anyone was expecting them to get anything out of the game. And, and, you know, Chelsea were, again, ruthless going forward. And I think more so, they, they looked a bit more solid at the back as well. I feel like towards the start of the season, there were definitely a lot of sort of question marks about whether or not Lampard had invested the money well in, in that team and whether or not he should have looked a bit more at the defensive aspects of that side. I feel like give them time. You've got Thiago Silva in there. Okay, maybe he's not the, the quickest or, you know, he, he, he's certainly, yeah, he's certainly lost some of that cutting edge over the years, but he has got, you know, a very experienced footballing head on his shoulders. You've got Kurt Zuma as well, who I can only imagine is getting, you know, more and more confident playing alongside Thiago Silva. And then Edouard Mendy as well looks like he could be a fantastic pick for, for Chelsea defensively as well if, if you were to, you know, want, wanting to go with a 5.0 uh, goalkeeper in between the sticks. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still not willing to put my money on, on a Chelsea defensive asset just yet. But as we go on, I mean, if they can keep, you know, shutting out teams and, and putting in good, solid defensive uh, performances, then I, I honestly can't see why you know, a lot of managers wouldn't be considering a, a, a Chelsea defender uh, going forward as the season progresses. But you mentioned that Chelsea game. They obviously played against uh, Manchester United away from home. Now, that game did finish nil-nil. Um, and again, like I say, I think really it was sort of the battle of the defences in that game. I think both teams maybe had a bit of a point to prove defensively. They They have you know, looked a bit shaky. I mean, we talked about Chelsea's defence, United defence. Mm, they've, they've looked a bit on and off. But what are your thoughts about, you know, both of these teams going forward in the season? Maybe they are sort of over the hill, should we say, in terms of a, a couple of tricky fixtures that, that they have negotiated. And I feel like, yeah, the, certainly the, the fixtures coming up do get a lot better on paper for both of these teams. Are you, are you, you mentioned your your looking to invest maybe in a double Chelsea attacking assets. Are, are you looking at any Man United players? I'm not looking at Man United players. And I think it's because I hate Man United. But, <laughs> like, because I can have all these reasons. So, so I watch them play and I think they're a bit sort of rubbish to watch. Like, even against Newcastle, they looked quite bad up until they just popped in three at the end. And it's really hard to tell if they actually play good football or if sometimes they just exploit teams in the same way that last season, they obviously, so, so I've been thinking about their recent midweek win um, the, against uh, Leipzig and they obviously won five nil. Rashford came off the bench, scored a hat trick. It was, it was pretty intense stuff. And I was comparing it to how they played against Chelsea last season in the first game of the, of the season when they beat Chelsea four nil. And I think it's the same thing. I think Man United are still bad and I think they play really bad football. But that sometimes they just come up against a team that's tactically ill prepared for them and doesn't don't realise that like Marshall's pretty rapid and Rashford's pretty rapid. They play this weird like high press and just get decimated over and over again. Similar to how Spurs just sort of demolished Southampton the other day by scoring or not the other day, a couple of weeks ago, by scoring the same goal four times. I just I'm not I'm not sure and I don't want to spend the money when I can have Son instead of Rashford or Ziyech, who I've seen just be absolutely great at football and ball for cheaper. I just don't see how I would fit them into my team without sacrificing someone that I like or that is already someone that I think is good, if that makes sense. So I'm out on it. I guess, are you more into Man United than me? It'd be hard to be less into Man United than me. <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't say... I think using the phrase into Man United is maybe a bit maybe a bit too heavy. Um, I, I, I'm certainly... They're on my radar. You mentioned Rashford. I mean, I know, you know, he scores a hat-trick midweek after coming off the bench in, you know, he's got, I think it was 16 minutes or so he scored his uh, hat-trick um, against RB Leipzig. So maybe that is skewing it a bit. Um, but just, I'm hoping Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, after seeing that performance, comes to his senses and maybe realises that he has been playing Rashford a bit too wide. I, I think that the way that United set up, and I think that, you know, it's, it's maybe a bit, maybe both teams as well. I feel like Chelsea and United at the moment sort of seem to be digging themselves into a rut in that they are playing a formation 
that suits having two holding midfield players. And I feel like that sort certainly limits the creativity. Um, I, I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer certainly seems to, you know, favour having, you know, McTominay and, and Matic or, or Fred and Matic in that midfield alongside um, Bruno Fernandes, which again, I, I get it, you know, it allows Bruno Fernandes a bit more freedom and creativity going forward. But then I, I, I don't know if it gets the best out of the players in and around him. I think Donny van der Beek is just being so underutilised. I mean... <sighs> Give him time, yes, but I, I, I feel like he certainly has shown already. I mean, he's come off the bench a couple of times and he's shown that he does have that impetus to get forward. And I mean, yes, it, it's good for them overall, just looking at, you know, this this year as a whole to have that squad depth. But I feel like Van der Beek can offer them something that they are perhaps lacking. But again, that it falls into that category of if you're going to stick with that two holding midfield players. Uh, you, you're sort of restricting yourself in, in how creative you can be. And I think, it, like I said, it's the same for Chelsea. You know, Lampard seems to like to play Kante and, and Jorginho or, or Jorginho and Kovacic or, or whoever it may be. And it sort of limits them going forward. They don't have... I say it limits them going forward. They, they, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say here because I, I think Chelsea are a good attacking unit going forward. But I just feel like... Yeah, I, I think that you're, the way they set up is restricting them in terms of their creativity at the moment. So, I don't know. I mean, the only player that I'm looking at from a Man United point of view is is Rashford. Um, Greenwood would be the slightly cheaper option in that midfield, but he's sort of in and out of that team at the moment. Uh, Martial, obviously, in the Premier League, is still serving uh, a couple of games ban um, after being sent off. Uh, so... Yeah, Fernandez seems like the obvious choice, but again, 10.5. I get it, he's on penalties, but I, I feel like that's way too expensive for, for me to even start thinking about looking at Bruno Fernandez right now. Yeah, and, and um, how are you going to get him in? Like, it, You have five midfielders that you like. How would you get him in over any of them? It'd be tough, right? Exactly, exactly. This is it. I mean... I've certainly got a few issues to, to, to iron out in my team that, that we'll get on to uh, late, later on in the podcast. But yeah, it's it always again it always happens every single season. You can't own all of the best players, and I think you know that's that's part that's one of the caveats of, of FPL is you know you have your starting budget of 100 million, and yes, that can go up or down, but you just can't fit in all of the best players into your team unless you are building one of the teams that is purely for squad value coming end of the season. Um, but then again, you're not really playing that game for, for points and trying to do as, as well as you can. So, I mean, we'll, we'll move on from, from the Chelsea game. And another game, certainly for me, that, that stood out. Maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't a sort of box office, you know, title when you see the two teams. But West Ham versus Manchester City. Now, that game, for me, stood out just purely because of the fact that West Ham are maybe looking good. I, I don't know. Are we Are we all being conned? I mean, I know Antonio... Um, is going to be unavailable certainly for for this weekend's fixture because he has uh, sustained an injury. But are West Ham a team that we should maybe be maybe be considering going forward? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, there's one player from West Ham that I really like the look of, especially. So Antonio came off, and instead of Alaire coming on, Bowen got pushed up to play as a striker, and he's really good when he plays out wide. He's looking very very good already. West Ham have had some crap fixtures and they're about to sort of get a bit better. I'm sort of looking at Bowen as 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 the best West Ham asset to own and someone who might actually replace Foden in my team uh, later on if Foden stops playing. Because Man City, on the flip side of things, they looked rudderless until Foden came on. They looked a bit sort of rubbish. Uh... So Foden came on and for 20 minutes looked great and then after that sort of fell off a little bit. And then... And then KDB came on and just totally turned the game around. So I think at this point, my 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 thinking about City is is that if you want to touch their assets, it should be KDB only because everything else relies on KDB. And without him, they just don't score points like the points that they that you'd want from their sort of their price. And and maybe like Foden's okay because Foden is cheap, but but I don't like Man City. I don't really know if I like the other West Ham assets. But but KDB and Bowen look both look phenomenal at the moment. I think. Yeah, I mean KDB coming back from from a slight injury that did keep him out for 
what was it, one, one and a half games or so. Um, you know, he, he is looking like the real deal. And I mean, he's looked like that for the last couple of seasons under Pep Guardiola as well. I think West Ham, from, from their point of view, you know, if you would have said to me, you know, what was it, three or four weeks ago, that they would have come into the run of fixtures that they had with Leicester, West Ham, um, City, and I can't remember the uh, other team that they played over the last couple of weeks. But And then also this weekend, they, they, they play Liverpool as well. And if you would have told me that out of those, you know, four or five games, they would be walking away, as it stands, they're walking away with eight points. Um, and I think that it's a fantastic job that, you know, David Moyes and his backroom staff, obviously, Moyes wasn't around for the first two games that, that sort of started this, like, mini run of form uh, due due to testing positive for, for coronavirus. But, um, yeah, I mean, West Ham just certainly look a lot better. I feel like, again, we talked about the way that Chelsea and United set up. West Ham at the moment playing that, you know, 3-4-3, 3-5-2, however which way you want to look at it with that sort of back five um, playing there, allowing, you know, the, the, the wing backs to fly up the pitch. Um, again, you know, Suchek in that, in that part of that midfield as well, looks like he is a, uh, he, he certainly, may, maybe he's not, you know, di- directing the play and orchestrating it, but he's that sort of pivot. If you, if it were, you know, that the players sort of move around him because they know that he's going to be in there uh, dropping a little bit deeper uh, when they do lose the ball. And yeah, I feel like he he is maybe a player that offers some value. Um, I feel like, yeah, West Ham's fixtures towards the start of the season, as we were saying, you know, they, they didn't look great. Um, but now going forward, after the Liverpool game, they do really sort of hit a bit of a purple patch in terms of the, the, the teams that they play. I mean, they got Fulham at home after the Liverpool game. Then they got Sheffield. Then they got Villa. OK, they go away or, or they, they host Man United in game week 11. But in, you know, in and around that Christmas period, when they're not going to be, you know, they're obviously not in Europe um, and they're not going to be having that sort of heavy schedule that, that other teams will be having. But yeah, around Christmas time and throughout December all the way up to the end of January, they, they look like they are certainly offering good budget options, not only in the midfield, but in the, in the defence as well. If they can sort out their defence and, you know, start consistently shutting out teams or, or picking up a point or two here or there and they offer size in the defense as well in in terms of from a set piece uh scenario so yeah west ham for me again one of the teams that would potentially um allow you to upgrade in other areas of your team that, that you aren't uh, happy with i think man city maybe not getting off to the best start but you know time will come um, and 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 the the wins will come from Man City as well. So I'm hearing news that that Americ Laporte will be back as well and potentially starting this weekend, which is always an added bonus for that Manchester City side because we saw how much of a detriment it was to them last season when 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 he was out. So yeah, City. The question for me uh, would be Sterling or or KDB, mate. Yeah, I agree, and I, I like what you said actually about about when Christmas comes and rotation happens. Foden for, for Bowen looks like it could be a really good sort of um, move around the sort of the six and a half mil, mil price point, especially with Pep and you can't trust him. And at least, you know, KDB is going to start every game and if he doesn't, it's their problem and they'll, and they'll fall off even more. So yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a good idea. And I think picking Bowen should be on everyone's radar. It should be something that everyone thinks about, especially when... Although the midfield options look good right now, you can see it, all it takes is one injury. Like the James Rodriguez injury, and suddenly I'm I'm thinking, oh, do I even really want him in my team right now? When before, I was like, he's a baller. He's in the good positions. I just want him every day of every week. Now I'm thinking, mm, ZH looks kind of nice, and for minus four, it might be worth it. So it's tricky, isn't it? It's one of those. Yeah, of, of course it is. I mean, you mentioned Hammers Rodriguez. We'll talk about Everton now as well. I think that's a perfect segue, mate. Now, Everton were certainly one of the form teams, you know, going into into last weekend. And they went away from home against Southampton without the likes of Richarlison. Um, and yeah, it was one of those games where you sort of... I know it's only one game and we only have one data point to go off of at the moment. But questions start have to, have to start being asked about, you know, the likes of, of, of Calvert-Lewin going forward and how much value does, does Calvert-Lewin offer 
in terms of his, you know, goal threat and his goal scoring ability when he doesn't perhaps have the supporting cast in and around him. I mean, yes, you know, he had Hamas Rodriguez play the full 90 minutes in that game, but Richarlison gets forward a lot more that, than Hamas Rodriguez. I, I imagine that that is a, a pretty firm instruction from Carlo Ancelotti to, to maybe, you know, get Hamas Rodriguez to drift out wide and then on occasion cut back in because we know he's got one hell of a left foot, but he certainly doesn't get forward and into the box as much as Richarlison does on the opposite side. Is is Calvert-Lewin someone that we should still not worry about at the moment, even though, you know, again, it's one game where he hasn't scored. He's scored in every game so far this season. So for him and for us looking from the outside in, it's a bit of an off day, but he's got to stay in our teams, right? He's, he's got that proven ability now. Oh boy, I hate Calvert-Lewin so much, Jack. <laughs> Honestly, I, I didn't want to get him in, and I got him in because I felt like I almost had to. I felt obliged to get him in. And now and now I watch them play more, and I see all the same things I saw before. He's a, he's, he's not very good on the ball. He doesn't get on the ball very often. And he's sort of, when when Everton don't have control in midfield, he is so lonely up front, and, and he's got nothing going on. So I think you're right. I, I, I think that I don't want Calvert-Lewin in my team. I never did. But he's staying in the team for now because the plan is that hopefully with with the right price movements, as long as Calvert-Lewin doesn't drop off, uh, maybe he gets an assist or something, just enough to keep his owners happy for the meantime. Then when Richarlison comes back, Richarlison will come back fiery and and he'll come back the way Richarlison always comes back, where he scores like a hat-trick the week after. And and I will make that swap immediately because I want Richarlison in my team. I don't want Calvert-Lewin in my team because Richarlison was what, in my opinion, was making uh, Everton tick and, and Calvert-Lewin get points so I hate Everton this always happens every season I get two of their I get a couple of their assets because I'm like oh I think Everton look good and they just absolutely blow up on me with with random testicle injuries or just being a bit crap in front of goal and um and I, I always live to regret it so we're, we're at that stage of the season again and I'm very happy to get rid of as many Everton assets as I can and maybe keep Richarlison because the guy he rocks he just rocks and he's probably going to I, I want to set on record. I think he's going to score more more goals than Calvert Lewin is this season. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough, mate. I mean, yeah, uh, I think Richarlison again still has a bit of an attitude problem. I think we we, we definitely saw that on on display in the uh, yeah we you know we, we we know what he's like and he does have a bit of a fiery temper. But yeah, if he can channel that as you say and and come back sort of rearing at the bit and work his way, you know, into the goals for that Everton side. I can't see why he can't get in amongst the goals. I'm, I'm sure that there will be sort of a uh, an underhanded competition between the likes of himself and, and Calvert-Lewin in terms of getting the uh, top scorer for, for Everton this season. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I feel like I feel like if, if, if Calvert-Lewin starts to blank consistently, then there's going to be a meteoric fall um, in, in his price. I, I can see that coming and you know, like you say, it was a great ride while it lasted. I mean, Everton's fixtures certainly don't get... I mean, well, Everton's fixtures are a bit of a mixed bag, let's say. I mean, they've, they've got Newcastle away on, on Sunday this weekend. Then they go... Uh, then they host Man United. Then they got a couple of, on paper, relatively easy games. I mean, the Leeds game in, in game week 10 is maybe a bit more difficult, given the way that Leeds have been playing uh, in recent weeks. But, you know, in the run-up to Christmas time, they host Chelsea they go away to Leicester and then they host Arsenal and it's it's going to be a a trying time for for Everton to say the least um in in terms of their uh yeah just their attacking assets their defensive assets defensively they they just look poor defensively Dina getting himself sent off as well which was actually hilarious given the fact that you know he was seen waving the red card in the Merseyside derby you know to remind uh I can't remember who it was that got sent off but he reminded the player, you know, you've been sent off, get off the pitch, and then a week later he goes and does that. So I, I find I find that hilarious, mate. I mean, yeah, uh, another another fixture just to touch on briefly is of course the Liverpool game, um, home against Sheffield United. Now we both had Salah, we both captained Salah. He blanked, didn't get anything from that game. We did mention earlier that he could have had a goal if it wasn't ruled out for for offside, but. Again, it's, it's defensive frailties for, for Liverpool. Um, we talked about it a bit earlier. Are you at all worried about Trent and uh, and Robertson? Not at all, Jack. Not at all. 
they look blooming great. <laughs> I, it, it's weird, right? People like to talk, especially online at the moment, about how oh, Alexander-Arnold's playing deeper than he did last season. Oh, he's not. He's really not. He's just not converted any of his sort of chances. He hasn't got the... We got one assist, I think, but he hasn't hit the heights that he hit last season yet. And and everything still points to him being able to do that. And then and then as soon as as soon as people start to take him out of the teams, as soon as people say, Oh, six games is too many, I'm not satisfied. He he just pops off in midweek against um well actually who was it against? I don't it wasn't a very good team, I must admit. Mi- uh, Mitchelland, doesn't matter. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Mitchelland, right? Yep. But he got an assist. He got a clean sheet. Liverpool again got a clean sheet, actually, to, to put that into perspective. So they've got two in the Champions League now. And these aren't like Ajax, for example, aren't pushovers. Um, so I think it's overstated. And I think that sooner rather than later, he will return and he will get the returns. West Ham home could be the fixture to do it. Man City at home could be the blooming fixture or Man City away could be the fixture to do it. it but it was it's going to happen and it's going to happen sooner rather than later, I think. And uh, people will eat their words. So I'm still high on them. I still think you need Robertson if you're playing the game seriously. Uh, you probably need Alexander-Arnold if you're playing the game seriously. And that people who don't have them are just sort of not not really thinking properly. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I mean, I'm I'm in no rush to, to get rid of any of them. Um, I think Salah... Salah's going to be a season keeper for me, unless he gets you know a season-ending injury. He's going to be my team for the long run. Um, I think Trent and, and Robbo have the potential to do that. Um, again, barring any injuries, um, I just think that yeah, Liverpool just look a bit shaky. Um, I think we just have to maybe bite the bullet um, a bit and sort of accept that we may not be getting the same number of clean sheets that we were getting over the last couple of seasons uh, from from those two players, but certainly attacking going forward that they're both looking good they're both creating quite a few big chances between them i mean yes robertson argue arguably more than than trent at the moment but yeah i i I don't see any reason to panic over them i think before we move on uh to to talk about the fixtures I, i just had a quick question for you and i was thinking about this a bit before the podcast now you look at the players and if, if we cast our mind back to, you know, game week one, just before the game week one deadline, obviously we were all in that same situation where we were looking at our team and, you know, trying to pick the players that we thought were going to do well this season. And you look back and are there any players that were maybe in a couple of your rough drafts that you didn't include in your final team um, that have gone on to impress? Or are there any team, any, any players in particular that you thought we're going to hit the ground running and, and do really well going into the new season that perhaps haven't done as well as a lot of people would have thought that they would have done. Well, I had Son in my opening teams a lot of the time. So that's, uh, and then I took him out. So that's backfired a little bit. I must admit, I'll tell you who, I'll tell you who, who the best answer to this question is. It's, it's Kieran Tierney. I, I obviously opened up with him and I had him in my team and he got a clean sheet in week one before getting injured or COVID or both. And and I really thought that this season was the season that he was going to just explode onto the scene and do the business. But Arsenal have looked very sort of lacklustre and we don't really even talk about them at the moment because they're just kind of boring and they, they maybe they win a game, maybe they don't. It doesn't really matter. No one cares about Arsenal results. But uh, I still have a lot of hope for for Tierney. I still have a feeling that he will pop off and that at some point we'll be talking about trying to get him in the team over than rather than, you know, Chilwell or uh, Timothy Castagna. Uh, I think I think Tierney might enter that enter that conversation, but uh it might take a little bit of time. Have you who do you think? I mean I know that you picked Blooming James Rodriguez as as a, someone to really pop off and do well. <laughs> is there anyone that you picked that you didn't like, or is there anyone that you thought wouldn't do well that has done well? Well, I I I I think that I think a lot of obviously going into the the, the I think it, you know it's, it it was a different start to the season this year because we obviously had the likes of United and City blanking in the first week, so. You, you, a lot, a lot of managers weren't really looking to their assets until perhaps game week two, or and, and and onwards, unless you were, you know, waiting for the inevitable price rises to happen and, and benching one of the top tier players. But I think Abamyang, Abamyang's been a massive, massive disappointment. You know, ever since he signed the ting for for Arsenal, he's just not looked himself. 
maybe he's not playing in his most natural position, but we saw it last season when he was playing out on that left-hand side, um, up front with, with the likes of Lacazette and, and Pepe as well. He he looked a lot better last season. I, I don't know if it's pressure of, of, you know, having signed that new contract and being made one of their, or if not their top uh, paid player now. I don't know if that is adding to, adding to that pressure, but um, he's looked a bit lacklustre. Um, for me, yeah, I mean, I, I had Son in my team from the start. I had Hamas Rodriguez in my team from the start, and, and they've looked, you know, fantastic as well. Um, I think a couple of players that maybe I didn't expect to do as well as they are doing, I think namely Patrick Bamford. Last season, for sure, watching him in the Championship and watching Leeds in the Championship, they created a hell of a lot of chances, and his conversion rate was, you know, below 50%. And it was just, he was getting into all of the right areas, but his he was just fluffing all of his shots. Um, and I, I thought that that would maybe come back to haunt him playing at, at the Premier League level. And I know he's got experience of playing in the Premier League um, previously, but obviously really only at a bit part level, uh, certainly with Chelsea. I mean, he was there uh, with Middlesbrough as well um, quite a few seasons back. but. Um, yeah, I know it's a it's, it's it's a tough pill to swallow because he he has everything about him. Um, he's just maybe a bit inconsistent. And I know again he scored six in six, but he scored a hat trick um, against Aston Villa, an unbeaten Aston Villa side um, going into last weekend. So I think Bamford has, has been a bit of a surprise package for for me. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those ones. I I know I I had Kane in a couple of my drafts as well and I was a bit tentative by that because I didn't want to front load with the Tottenham assets and maybe that has come back to, to bite me a little bit but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with having Son in there as, as coverage um, I think Kane you know no disrespect to Kane he's he's fantastic and I think he's you know he's leading the the way at the moment for for uh, expected assists and, and assists and big chances created and all of the underlying stats but yeah, I, I think um, it, him with a couple of price rises now taking him ever closer to that 11 million uh, price mark is uh, maybe putting me off um, a little bit. Um, yeah, I those are just a, a couple of the players um, for me who have uh, maybe not lived up to the to their high standards or may, maybe we have put a bit bit of pressure on them. I think as well for for you and I having Timo Werner from the start and him not returning over the last, you know, or over the first couple of weeks and then taking him out and then he starts returning and, and you know, delivering the goods for, for Chelsea. I think it, we we both knew it was just a matter of time after the fantastic season that he had in the Bundesliga last year. Um, so, yeah, just, just a couple of players. I mean, really, for me, it was just, a, a, just, just a thought that I had, mate. It was a... I occasionally go back and I do this every season when I at the end of the season I'll look back at, at, at the team that I had to start the season and see sort of who survived in my squad from, from the start to the end and yeah it was just a just a thought that I had that's a worthwhile thought to have uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see who, who actually stays in my team at the moment I think it's just Salah Robertson Alexander-Arnold I think everyone else is is new to the team so um so I've already sort of changed my team. I've already almost entirely changed my team since when I started. Can you believe it? <laughs> well, I think I think partly that is skewed by the fact that we both sort of activated our wild card within you know the first four game weeks. So maybe that's what's skewing it because I guess after the first couple of weeks you start to see who may uh, actually be performing well uh, going forward. But we'll move on now to talk about transfers and, and look ahead to to game week seven. So. You mentioned at the top of the podcast that you are pretty happy with your team. Are you considering any changes? Are, are you going to pull the trigger on that double Chelsea uh, attacking uh, assets going forward in, into game week seven? Well, this is the question, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's lots of options here. So I was planning on keeping the transfer and going and doing it next week. But at this rate, yep. I'm, looking at, I'm looking at a couple of options that all involve... Um, getting rid of Rodriguez because I was sort of planning to do that anyway, despite the fact that he has just been awesome as and is, is is one of the best players of the season. I was thinking, I was thinking that I can downgrade a defender and go Rodriguez to Ziyech, um, one of my bench defenders. I could downgrade Calvert Lewin 
and upgrade Rodriguez to sort of a Rashford type. Those are actually the two things, and they both cost hits. Or I could play Kyle Walker-Peters, bench Rodriguez today. Um, there's not going to be any price changes until later this evening, so I don't have to worry about any of that anyway. And then after the deadline passes, I could do the transfer without it costing me four points. And and the only difference would be, do I think that either Rashford or Ziyech are going to outscore Kyle Walker-Peters by four points this week. And honestly, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. It's, it's a call that I'll have to make within the next couple of hours um, because it's quite quite a difficult one to sort of decide. I, I don't even know. In short, do you think that Rashford or Ziyech will outscore... Or do you think that... Do you think Ziyech will outscore Kyle Walker-Peters by four points this week? Uh, hmm. Yeah, right? Tough one. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just looking at the fixtures, you know. Chelsea play Burnley away from home. Burnley haven't looked great uh, this so far this season, and and Chelsea, as, as as we've mentioned, do look like they're finally starting to to click and adjust going forward. You then look at the likes of Rashford. I mean, Man United play Arsenal this this weekend, so. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's a bit of a tricky fixture, but I think Rashford coming off of the back of his midweek performance, and I think even last weekend, you know, he was getting in and amongst the the, the assists and the goals as well in the absence of, of Anthony Martial in the league. And I think that going into the Arsenal game, he will certainly be forced to play a, a lot more centrally than, than we have seen him play in recent weeks. And I can't see why he can't pick up a couple of goals against Arsenal. Um, I think Ziyech, there's question marks about whether or not he'll actually start that game. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one. I think James Rodriguez being benched is, you know, 100%. If, if he's the only injured player in your team, then that's, you know, that's 100% what you have to do. But, yeah, it's, it, it's a bit of a tough call for you, mate. It certainly is. So, I'll flip a coin, decide whether I think Ziyech is going to A, start and B, score points. <laughs> and... Uh, and whether I think that's more than Southampton we're expected to get and, and make that call. What, what about you, Jack? Any You've also got James Rodriguez. Are you planning to do anything with him? Well, you you know how much I love big old Hannes Rodriguez and, and how much I'm going to carry on banging on about him uh, and, and how the fact that I had him in since the start of the season. And it was just, you know, on a hunch, really, to, to bring him in at the start of the season. And, and he's paid off so far. I feel like we've been given sort of a, a bit of an indeterminate uh, assessment on him. Obviously, he he was sort of yellow flagged throughout the entire week, um, and then only recently has been red flagged after being ruled out um, in in the press conference that Ancelotti gave earlier today, um, confirming that he has sort of got a, a bit of a testicle injury. Uh, as funny as that sounds, you know, it, it does sound like he's a in some pain and he played through the pain barrier against Southampton and, and maybe that is uh, perhaps why he didn't return any uh, attacking uh, points in, in that game. So yeah, may, maybe there was a bit of a worry there, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that he'll be back um, fit enough for, for the next game. Um, the main issue that I have here with my team at the moment, and, and you, you mentioned him a bit earlier, is Timothy Castagna. Now, I bought him in on a whim um, after, I think, after the City game I bought him in. And, and ever since then, he's been a bit hot and cold. I mean, he didn't keep a clean sheet against West Ham and he didn't keep a clean sheet against Villa as well. Um, but he did pick up a clean sheet against Arsenal when I decided to leave him on my bench. But he has now since, I think, during the midweek game uh, that Leicester played in the Europa League, sustained a bit of a minor knock. Um, and now it's sort of tur- or it, it looked to be a bit of a minor knock when, when watching them play and watching the highlights and now it seems as if it is a bit of a hamstring injury and he's going to be out for the best part of, of November now so he's a player that I'm looking to move on the issue that the Rodriguez injury has given me is I don't think that I'm going to be able to field a strong enough playing 11 uh, without making at least one transfer now, at the moment, it's looking likely that it is going to be Castagna out for a, def- a 4.5 defender to, to try and save some money. Um, I mean, I could, I, you know, I, I could play 3-4-3 and save the transfer and, and have Brewster up front 
but I believe Sheffield United actually play Manchester City this weekend. And um, I mean, I mean, they're hosting them, so it's a home game. So maybe that's a uh, maybe that's in his favour. But I just, yeah, I, I I can't really risk having Brewster not play and only having ten players, um, ten outfield play- or ten players uh, on on my team. So I feel like, yeah, my my hand has been forced somewhat in terms of the transfers that I'm looking at and 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 the players that I'm looking at to bring in. You mentioned Carl Walker Peters. He is certainly on my radar. I mean, Southampton now have picked up three clean sheets in their last four games um we both had McCarthy at the start of the season and, and jumped off him when we saw Emmy Martinez start performing well and I think Emmy Martinez is still one of the go-to sort of 4.5 4.6 now or 4.7 I think now he's like um he is one of those you know go-to he's also due a rise today I oh, think. is he really okay okay that, that certainly makes it interesting but yeah like I say I mean Martinez is what was that that go-to option, and he does look great. And Villa look a lot more solid defensively than than Southampton. But um, Walker Peters is on my radar. I think Max Kilman, you you mentioned him as well when you were talking about downgrading your your uh, downgrading Carl Walker Peters to to free up some funds. My issue with Kilman is he's still very young. Uh, he's looked don't get me wrong, he's looked impressive in both in in, in all three of his last games. He's looked very very impressive for for someone as young as he is and someone who hasn't got much top flight experience but i just don't know if he's going to be consistently getting game time i think it's a no-brainer if he does start playing in that back three or back five for for wolves which we know that they love to play but i don't know man i'm i'm, I'm a bit itchy fingers at the moment obviously we've got a couple of hours until until the uh game week seven deadline which is at half six today recording on a friday so yeah, it gives us some time. It gives me some time to think about it. I am looking at potentially bringing in a Leeds defensive asset, namely uh, Stuart Dallas or, or Luke Ayling, which could give me potentially a good rotation with, with Lamptey going forward. Um, but certainly I'm being forced somewhat to maybe go with a 4-4-2 formation, which, I mean, I'm, I'm not entirely against that. I've got 1.0 in the bank, so if I decided, you know, I could maybe take a minus 4 and, and look to upgrade elsewhere. Um, the other issue that I've got at the moment is Harvey Barnes. Um, he started off the last game playing sort of a, a central striker in the absence of Vardy. Um, and then Vardy, when Vardy came on, he did get pushed out to a bit more of a natural position, but and then he got subbed off. Um, so I think Barnes stays in my team for now. Um, I think Barnes is a lot better player whilst he's got Vardy ahead of him to play balls into. But yeah, I think the obvious choice for me is to bench Rodriguez and, and bring in a player for, for Castagna to make sure that I've got a full playing 11 or hopefully a full playing 11 this weekend. Mm, I like it. It's, it's good decision making. And actually, listening to your wise words, I'm thinking, what if I just bench him? What if I just play Walker Peters? And what if I wait to see how Ziyech looks, see if he even plays before making sort of outrageous picks for, you know, just going all in on, on getting random, like doubling up on Chelsea, you know. It seems a bit too much, maybe. Nah, mate, nah. I, I feel like you should go with your gut, 100%, 100%. And I'll keep all my fingers and toes and everything crossed, hoping that none of your Chelsea players get any kind of attacking yeah, returns if it. you do decide to go with it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I, think, I, think I, I think I might stick. I think I might just stick with Walker Peters playing. Um, this is what he's here for. This is what I've got him for. I'll toss a coin (laughs) at some point. (laughs) So we'll talk about captaincy decisions now. And I feel like there are certainly a a few standout captaincy choices uh, for for this weekend. Namely, the likes of Hume Min Son and and Mo Salah. And of course, Harry Kane, if if you do have him. I feel like if you have Salah, you don't have Mane um, and, and, and vice versa. Or certainly from a lot of teams that I've seen. Who would you pick between? I mean, we we both have Salah and Son. So so who are you going to pick? Um, both you know home fixtures, both against you know relatively easy opposition, shall we say? You know, on paper they they are games that they should both be winning, and we know Salah's got a fantastic record against West Ham, and it's a home game as well. So who are you going to be going with this weekend? No, I'm going with Salah every day of every week. It's, it, honestly, he ticks the boxes, doesn't he, Jack? He's on form. He's at home. He's against a weak team. And and I get that West Ham might not be that weak, but 
but Foden came on and, and looked so good against them for so short amount of time. Like, I think Salah will do the business, and, he, and he's been looking to do the business for a while. Whereas with Spurs, I'm not sure how good Spurs actually are. It's, it's, it's really strange where, again, watched them last night, or didn't watch them, but like watched the highlights and, and read reports about the way they played last night, and it, it seemed... It seemed iffy. It seemed like like they ne- they don't necessarily do business every single game week. Where we've watched Liverpool for the last two years, and even if they're having a bad game, Salah can just do business. So it's so one picking Salah, and I and for me it's it's, it's a no brainer. Where are you at? You're on Son then? No, so so I was on Son earlier in the week. I then switched to Salah, and then I heard some. I don't know, I guess bogus reports now about, you know, Salah maybe picking up a bit of a knock in training and, you know, you always, the, the wonderful internet is, is a, yeah, it's, it's a great place to pick up all of these fake reports, but I have seen images of, of Salah playing and, and actually, you know, looking, looking good in, in training as well. So my armbands on Salah, again, his, his record against West Ham speaks for itself really. Um, so it's a bit of a tough choice. I feel like a lot of people are going to be going with Kane uh, this, this certainly this week. I, f- I think Salah will be looking. Uh, Salah will be fairly disappointed that he didn't score in in their last game against Sheffield, and I think that he will be looking to to rectify that again against uh, West Ham. And yeah, again, it's either of those choices. I think is is a fantastic pick. I think Salah will be looking to you know hit a fine run of form, and, and Liverpool will, will be hoping that that he can, especially. Looking forward to game week eight, where they do go away from home against Man City, which will be a, a, a certainly a tasty fixture. So for me, it's on it's on Salah. Um, yeah, I think it's either, either option is 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 really a great one there. We'll look forward now to some of the fixtures. Uh, we won't cover them all, but we'll look at some of the standout fixtures um, over this weekend. So we talked about it a bit earlier as well. Liverpool West Ham. Now that game, West Ham without Mikel Antonio now. Can they can they pick up anything from that game? Is it a free, is it unrealistic to say that they can get a draw from this game against Liverpool? It's not, unfortunately. I, I like Bowen, and and on his day, Bowen can just do he can just do them. So so although I'm very hopeful for a, for a Liverpool clean sheet, I don't think on any given day you can you can expect one. I think they might. I think I think the odds of them keeping a clean sheet against and beating West Ham are good, right? It's it's no surprise to say that Liverpool are the favourites, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me to see West Ham pull another yet another good performance out of the bag, where they've already drawn with everyone else and, and narrowly lost to Arsenal. So, so I hope for the sake of my fantasy team picking up that West Ham don't. But if Bowen does well, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree to agree with you, mate. Because, yeah, I mean, they, they, they certainly look good. It will be interesting to see how Klopp decides to set up against this West Ham side. We know he likes to go with with his tried and tested four three three formation, without the likes of Van Dijk or uh, or, or Fabinho uh, available to to slot into that defensive role. It may mean that that the likes of Joel Matip and um, Joe Gomez actually have to start together. I don't know if uh, Joel Matip might be out with a bit of an injury. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's certainly an interesting fixture. Um, and I, I, It's a tough one to call. I think West Ham will be incredibly lucky to get anything from the game. Um, whether, or not Liverpool, whether or not that means Liverpool can keep, keep a clean sheet, as you said, is another thing to be seen. Um, on the same day earlier, we, we've got Chelsea away from home against Burnley and, and City away from home against Sheffield. Now, that City versus Sheffield game, yeah, it's away from home and City don't have an out-and-out striker at the moment. But it's a Sheffield United side that are, let, let's face it, on the ropes at the moment. It, it's going to be, a, it's, it's, it's got to be like a 4 or 5 nil, right? Well, I hope so, Jack. And I hope Foden's heavily involved. <laughs> and as long as Sheffield United keep on losing... I keep on smiling. So let's say KDB pops off. He scores three. He assists two. He gets more points than anyone's ever seen in in fantasy football. I still won't be that upset because I don't think anyone even owns him at this point. Oh, I, mate, I would be kicking myself because I ever since I've taken him, ever since I took him out, I I was always looking for you know a way to bring him back into my team. And I feel like a lot of managers have been sort of keeping an eye on him and, and, and just seeing and, and assessing how, how he performs. And I mean, we know that he's going to perform well um, against certainly a lot of the, the weaker sides and he's probably going to be the most consistent starter in that side as well. So yeah, he's, 
I need to plan my transfers and and it's something that I'm going to work towards is, is trying to work him back into my team. I think City certainly maybe lack a bit of the cutting edge without a recognised striker. Sterling is, is filling in that role at the moment, but he's not a recognised striker in, in that City side. So, Well, you say Sterling. You say Sterling's filling in that role. Foden and Torres have played as well as striker at City. So... So it's anyone's game at the moment um, for for that position in the team, and I fancy Foden for it, Jack. I really do. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I I think City certainly have just so many good players at the moment. I think Ferran Torres certainly played as a as a lone or as a uh, out and out striker in in the midweek game in in the Champions League. So uh, it seemed to suit him, and he I mean he picked up a goal. So you know it it seems like he he can play in that in that position. Um, I don't know about Foden taking up the role uh, of that and and really reaping the rewards that he could perhaps uh, be returning from a uh, wider role. Um, but he certainly is getting into all of the good positions. Um, and, and maybe even going forwards, you know, there is a potential for a Foden ex-KDB double up or, or Foden and Sterling double up. Um, if, if Foden does look like he's going to be consistently playing games uh, this season, even when some of the... Uh, more recognised Manchester City assets come back into the fold. But we'll move ahead to look forward to the biggest game, or certainly the biggest game on paper of this weekend, Man United versus Arsenal. We touched on it a bit when we were talking about Marcus Rashford earlier. Man United at home to a you know an easy team. There's going to be someone who's going to triple captain Rashford um, against, against Arsenal and, and they're going to get like, you know, 50, 60 points, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a good. It's going to be good. It'll, it'll give us an indication of which of these teams is a uh, is really pushing for a top ten position at the end of the league. <laughs> um, I actually fancy Arsenal to win it. I like the way they're playing at the moment, although it's really, really bad. It's really torrid stuff. It's the sort of stuff that that would just shut down United, and and all you need is one of these. Like, because I mean, I don't follow Arsenal particularly closely. But they seem to have an endless supply of just random young players who have come through apparently their academy, who start playing like Willock, Nikita, um, Saka, all of these, all of these like young players that we know about, but just sort of just pop up randomly. And I, I, I assume that they're fast, and I assume that they've got a lot of sprite in their step, and that they'll skin Harry Maguire. So, so I fancy Arsenal to sort of slow the game down bore United to death and then get a couple on the break. That's and that's probably a big call because United look like they're in well good form. I, I think the term you're looking for is is football manager gems or football manager youth talent because that that is what sort of defines the <laughs> Arsenal side. And I mean it's 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 no detriment to them. You know they have produced quality young players throughout the last you know God knows how many seasons. But yeah, obviously it was a joke when I was saying that Arsenal are a bit of a you know, a weak team. But I just think that, you know, yeah, this, this game, it could go one of two ways. It, it could be very open and we could see a lot of goals or it could be, you know, United again coming off of the back of that, uh, you know, keeping a clean sheet over the last couple of games. They, they, they've looked good. They, they've looked more, more reassured defensively. Um, whether or not I'm looking at them from a defensive standpoint is another thing. I think Arsenal have had a bit of a tough run-in um, and I mean that that running maybe gets a bit better going forward after this game, but I don't know. Arsenal are one of those sides which, yeah, you'd like to think that they would be pushing for you know certainly a top six position come the end of the season. But so far, I mean, literally the the Premier League table is just so weird at the moment. And I know it's only six games in, five games for for some clubs, but. It just looks so bizarre looking at the likes out of, you know, Arsenal, City and United all all in that bottom half of the table. It just looks so weird. I think United, Rashford, I'm, I'm hoping for big things from Rashford. We talked about him earlier and I'm really, really hoping that he can prove me right. I'm hoping that with him playing that more central role, maybe Van der Beek may play. Maybe he'll even start in that team. I think, yeah, it just United, one of those perennial teams at the moment where you don't you don't want to necessarily want to bring in any of their assets. Certainly not 
at this moment in time. But if they start performing well, I, I'm again my hand might be forced, and I, I think Rashford is looking like the the, the best option um, in that team. And yeah, if if he if when Martial comes back in is able to play in the Premier League again, if he starts drifting out a bit further wide, and Martial takes up that mantelpiece at, at, at the spearhead of that attack, then maybe Rashford's sort of a appeal goes down a bit more. But I don't know, mate. I don't know. I think it's... Uh... I love this, Jack. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of like thinking about how I could get KDB in. I'm thinking about how I could get Rashford in. But I obviously also want to keep Son and Salah. And, and Pulisic looks good. And ZH might be good. <laughs> and, and obviously, I'm just keeping James Rodriguez. Very hard. Very hard to pick the right midfielders this season. Yeah, I, I feel like... It's, it's, do you know what it is? It's, it's because they're all... <sighs> They're all at that awkward price point. They're all... Uh, I think last season, you know, when, when Fernandez got added into the game and he was 8.5 million, it was like when he started performing, it wasn't that difficult to bring him into your side. When you've got uh, the likes of Sterling, the likes of KDB, Salah, Mane, Son in there now, Kane as well, they're, they're all in that sort of... I wouldn't say mid mid to high, but, it you know, it's, it's edging on that, you know... Eight to ten million range for for some of these in between players, and then you've got your out and out heavy value players in in Salah and and uh, and, uh, and KDB and any of the uh, sort of uh, highly priced City assets. So yeah, it's it's difficult. It is very difficult, and again, it's it's why I it's why I maybe do take it from a bit of a Again, football manager standpoint, I sort of take a step back and just look at players and assess how you know the, the areas that they're getting into. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just excited to see to see this game, and I feel like it will be a very open game with both defenses trying their utmost to shut out the opposition. But I feel like they will both fail, and we're, we're in for goals in this game. Well, certainly that's what I'm hoping for. We'll move on to. A couple of the uh, remaining fixtures in the game week then. Uh, we've got Everton away from home against Newcastle. Without Richarlison, without Hamas Rodriguez, can Calvert-Lewin deliver the goods, mate? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he might. I hope he does. I actually hope he does now if he's in my team. Um, but I suspect not because he's trash. So so I will, I will sit back and I will watch him. And if he doesn't do well... I won't care because I'll be proved right. And if he does do well, I'll be happy because he's in my team. So it's a win-win for me, this. Newcastle, though, we saw it with, with, with Wolves last week. They love to sit deep. They love to frustrate you. They love to make it very hard for your striker to do anything. And Raul Jimenez, because he's really good at football and, and is a baller, he scored. But I, I just I just don't think Calvert-Lewin's got it in him. You know, He's no, he's no Raul Jimenez, Jack. He's no Raul. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. I mean, yeah, it's uh, I th- I think the likes of yeah, Luca Dean as well being out of that side. Um, yes, they they're going to have Ducore and and Alan, but they don't perhaps get forward and aren't as creative as as the other attacking uh players in that side. So certainly it will be a test of of whether or not Calvert Lewin can do it on his own. Um, and again, you know, it's going to be a well, I say a relatively long travel. It's going to be a, a couple of hours journey on on the coach up to uh, up to Newcastle on on uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, there may maybe some fatigue in uh, in in there as well. One of the one of the games that I am maybe a bit excited to watch, and this is uh, the Monday night game, and that's Leeds versus Leicester. Uh, Vardy coming back into the fold, Leeds looking very good. Um, that game could go either way. I feel like Leeds certainly. Again, they're setting up and doing exactly what they did last season, watching them in the championship. They're getting a lot of chances created. They're getting a lot of shots off and they're putting a lot of pressure on the opposition side. They do, however, like to press forwards. I can see... I was talking to someone... Uh, I was talking to a Leeds fan about this actually earlier today. You know, he, he reckons that he can see... Leads pushing forward and you know creating a lot of chances, but then getting hit on the counter attack just from you know a long ball over the top into Vardy. We, we've seen we, we've seen that happen so many times before, where Vardy's just latched onto a hopeful long ball up towards him, and he's managed to outmuscle and outpace defenders who have been holding a high line, and he goes and bangs in a couple of goals. So I am I'm very excited to watch that game. Yeah, me too. I mean, 
obviously didn't watch these in the championship. Watch them now. I love it. I just love watching them. They're a very fun, interesting side to watch. So um, it's a shame. I'll be out Monday, so I won't be able to watch that. But uh, I'll certainly be watching the highlights, keeping a close eye on it. And maybe you'll maybe you'll tell me all about this this brilliant new this brilliant new man, Patrick Bamford, who just comes to the league and scores every single chance he's given. Oh God, give me a break. He'll <laughs> he's got to flop eventually, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he again, like I said earlier, he he has his conversion ratio last season was just so so bang average, um, even below average. I'd go to go as far as to say, but yeah, I, I feel like he is he's one of those players that will hit a good run of form and then blank for you know three or four game weeks, and then he'll come back into the fold, maybe picking up a couple of goals in the next three or four games, and then he'll go off again. So. He's hot and cold. Let's let's leave it at that, mate. I feel like there is a is a perfect way to end it. We've we've just hit the one hour mark. I want to try and keep these uh, as concise as possible. So, as always, mate. Thank you very much for for joining me in in our sort of uh, I wouldn't say educated ramble about uh, Premier League, but certainly opinionated ramble about the Premier League and, and FPL in general. Thank you very much, mate. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs>